Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Chatter. This week, we're incredibly lucky to be joined by Des Rock, who is a neurodivergent leader and CEO of Sea Monster, who knows that having ADHD has been anything but a detriment to her career. And being able to see the world as a puzzle and manage the pieces has made her an exceptional leader. Des, welcome. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here, by the way. Thanks for your time. I, I'm always super keen to understand the timelines before we get into the meat of the episode. So you were diagnosed quite recently? Correct. Uh, about a year ago. Look, officially diagnosed. I think we all start the journey a little earlier than that. Um, but I was adamant that I wasn't going to announce to anybody or accept it until I was officially diagnosed because I didn't want to be accused of being on TikTok for too long and having a self-diagnosis. <laughs> so I made sure that it was absolutely officially diagnosed. So officially a year ago, suspicious about two. Yeah. So when you got the diagnosis, you weren't, you weren't shocked at all? I was, nobody around me was. So that's what happens. I was just, oh my, can you believe this? And everybody around me said, yes. <laughs> which kind of sort of like and then I was just like what how come no one else is shocked and they're like this makes so much sense this really and then I it was I don't know what it was like for you Alex but for me it was very much the case of I again I, I told you I suspected but um having it in reality and it was by and by the way you know how it's like ADHD it's like do you have the hyperactive do you have the blah blah, blah. I have everything and so it wasn't it wasn't even like because in my mind, I was like, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I might tip the scales, right? Mm. And it turns out, it's like, no, no, the full gamut. Here we are. <laughs> um, so in that, I then had to say, hold on a minute. And so I, and, and I think I went through the, you know, the seven stages of, you know, from acceptance mm. all the way through to anger, bargaining, the whole bit to acceptance. And to, I got there and then I was in, and, and I remember being in the disappointment, you know, the depression stage, like mm. really, really sad for previous days, like the, everything that I'd gone through, but um, I'm now at acceptance, yeah. Well, you said you had some some suspicions for a couple of years before the assessment. Mm. What gave you those suspicions? The clear one was that my children were diagnosed with ADHD and one mm. of them is diagnosed with ADHD and autism, by the way. So, and then, and even... <laughs> So I said, oh, geez, that must have come from your father's side, you know? Like, because <laughs> no flies on me, right? Um, so that's how that went down. And then it was, that was, but that was the first seed about the fact that my daughter who went down that rabbit hole of 
understanding, diagnosis, and all that sort of stuff said, Mum, we think this is genetic, right? Like this is showing to be genetic. Hence, not my issue, right? I'm sure mm. it's your father's. Um, but um, and by the way, he's he's diverse as well. So you know, we're we're kind of a family of the Incredibles, right? All the powers, <laughs> all of us, every single family member. It turns out very awesome. Um, that was one tip off. The other one was is that I was realizing that everybody who I was getting along with, and I don't know if you've had this too, also diverse. You know, mm. just. Always, you know, you hang around those ones. They're the ones you – and they are openly – so there was a couple of people who were di- openly diagnosed and open, and I was just getting along with them. And they were like, you know, if you are vibing, there's a chance. And I said, oh, sure, I'm sure, like a carpenter, everything's a nail. You know, that, again, again, refusing to accept anything really. But they were the early signs where I thought maybe I should look into this, you know. That's fascinating. And it's so true what you said about vibing with someone and perhaps you sort of subconsciously pull around people that yes. have similarities subconsciously. Correct. And I can feel that as well You when you just don't click with someone or there's like mm. this awkwardness in the air, which For sure. just makes a friendship unsustainable. But when you find your people and you... Yeah. Uh, maybe you're the same. Do you, do you look back on your friendships and yes. the ones oh, that have I'm- lasted? You know, we talked off air about, you know, the, the, the positives and negatives and one of my negatives is my inability to maintain friendship with neuronormals, right? So um, because I didn't realise how weird I was or I was being. So, um, yes, I, that is a real pain point for me. That has always been an issue for me. Um, and now I know, now I can see, now I can see the behaviour, what I was doing and all that sort of stuff. You know, I tend, I don't know what... And I must preface by saying everyone's diversity always appears differently. We cannot compare, compare uh, diversity, symptoms, treatments or anything like that. Everyone's is different. But for me, I tend to cut the small talk and go straight to the meat of it, right? So I will go right into the crux. You know what I mean? I'll get to know you, Alex, and then I'll be like, so tell me about your childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, 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 I'll, and we'll bond. And then none of that will be too much information for either of us and we will park it. There will not be a uh, residual thing about this is, you know, that what, what had happened in that. However, neuro-beige people will be like, that was too weird for me. That's just not the way I, not, not the level I want to operate on. Um, so that, you know, that was a giveaway. <laughs> that was a definitely giveaway. Oh, it's, maintaining friendships has been a recurring topic on this podcast and mm. you're the first guest who's managed to articulate it in that way and I think it's so true it's it's h- hard to maintain friendships with the people that you don't vibe with or perhaps right. aren't in the same neuro beige as you put it right. which, I, which is a phrase I love I mean, it doesn't make it yeah yeah that neuro beige. it doesn't make it necessarily completely smooth with other neurodiverse people by the way because they can clash you know the misunderstanding with rejection sensitivity in both of us we could be in a hellhole real quick you know something I didn't say or said and then you perceive it as it just could escalate really well but at least we have a chance because we understand we totally understand uh, a neuro beige will walk in and just I'm going to stop myself there because I actually find that the neuro, they've had under, unbelievably great marketing because some of their behaviour I find really absurd, yet they're the ones who are considered normal, right? Mm. You know, um, so for example, you know, they need a lot more emotional coaxing and emotional hand-holding for every single situation, 
right? So you cannot just ask a question. It cannot be just a normal exchange based on the fact that we're already friends, based on the fact that all of the history, every interaction has to start with, hi, how are you doing? How's everyone? How, you know, all of the soft padding before you can get to the question. Um, and yet they're the normal ones because you can't just say, hey, I really need this because that comes across as, well. that's really brash. Gosh, you know, didn't even ask me for the time. You know, it's not like I just met you, by the way. We've known each other for years and years, presumably. The way they communicate, and see everything I'm referring to here is the way the decoding and the masking that we do because we all pretend we all know how to do this, which makes us incredibly intuitive because we've learned from a very, very young age, and I'm sure you've done this too, how to read how to read signs, how to read people, how to know what's expected of you, how to answer what's expected of you so you know when you walk in a room you've got to say, hi, everybody, how's it going? Or even though it doesn't come naturally nearly, or when you're leaving to say goodbye to everybody, all that sort of stuff, you know, because I, I was that was a big one for me. I was always accused of just leaving, just but apparently that's hyper rude, right? You have to say, hi, every, bye, every, okay, I'm about to leave now. Okay, bye, everybody, everybody, bye, 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 you know, um, so that was a big one. And I remember being picked up by a friend's parents as I was leaving their parents' house. And I sat there and I thought, I just visited the friend. Never occurred to me to have to say bye to everybody, all the other family members as I leave, right? Things like that. Yeah, so those are the things that I guess, yeah, have have been quite uh, different and unusual. But those are the things that are telltale signs. And it is literally us communicating in a way that makes a lot of sense to us. Uh, whereas um, they need a lot. I find neuronormals more emotional. I really do. What do you think it is that you mentioned that when neurodivergent people or neurobeige meet each other, they can go straight in with the the heavy stuff, just bypass mm. the small talk, which, by the way, I completely relate to. Um, okay. Completely relate to. And I've, the amount of parties I've left and entered without yep. the small talk. All right, I'm not saying goodbye, I'm just going. But I yep. might have... I probably trauma dumped. Yes, everyone else is like, what the hell just happened here, right? Um, and, and probably behind your back, and this is the saddest thing, we don't know the impact we've had, but behind your back, what's being discussed is, oh my God, can you just, this is just, I, she's too much, she's weird, she's, you know, all of this stuff. If you're resonating with any of that, this is what the expectations are put on us to conform to mask continuously and to and all of that creates such pressure because we have to constantly think about the way we interact with uh, the people the world around us whereas they do not so you know leaning on to how can they accommodate us they never have to think about that so that's what we call that's that's a level of privilege right there they never have to think about the way they're impacting us as well do have you noticed that how it's weighted for them like we have to worry about how we're impacting everybody. Because you can, because going back to the example of just leaving a party, like that mm. feels natural to me to yep. just go without saying goodbye. But actually, then I can get home and I can get quite anxious about how I might have been perceived. Yes. Did I offend someone? Did I? Yes. Exactly. Was I rude in that situation because I didn't yep. say goodbye, which is which is accept, expected in a social right. situation. But to right. me, it doesn't come naturally. So. No. 
that plays on my mind then for days or right. weeks and it makes me anxious. Absolutely. And and what's worse is then we get the and we get this unfair thing of like anyone who's diverse, anyone who's got because by the way, and I keep saying this, diversity is coming to a buffet table with an empty platter and putting whatever you want on that platter and you could have all of these symptoms that work you know, do and don't work for you and society at the minute has labelled us as ADHD and other people as like uh, what autism or um, bipolar or dyslexia. All of these are variations of diversity just there is no such thing as pigeonholing and one person's ADHD is everybody's ADHD it is just imagine a buffet table of neurodiversity and you've just gone up there and put whatever however much of the serving of whatever so there might be things that cross um, intersect as well right and that's why we don't compare um, diagnoses and that's why we don't compare um, the, uh, the how we deal with our diagnoses like all that sort of stuff how do we treat how do, we, how do we manage how? And I, I really take umbrage to the fact that we need to manage, but that's the world we live in, right? So that's where we're at. So for you, you know, having to say now sit there and worry about have you offended everybody and has that now causing you anxiety about that? Um, no one's... To, that, because you're being taught that's the normal, you're constantly being told over and over again that's still normal. Conform, conform, conform. So getting back to if you don't, oh, you know these diverse people. That it's almost like they don't have feelings, and I can't think of anything more. Can I swear, Alex? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I can't think of anything more bullshit than that. Right? The fact that we don't care. We do, we do. The reason why we do adapt. The reason why we do mask is because we do care. Not just about us fitting in, but about how we're perceived by the other person. That's exactly the issue that you're talking about right now, right? It's just that, and I can counteract by saying, we do not put as much weight onto that emotional fluff that they require in order to listen to the messages and listen to the communications. Do you think there's a consequence, though, of unmasking or refusing to mask, refusing to yeah. not be yourself and to... It depends... Okay, you know what the answer is? It depends on how much money you've got. Because one man's crazy is another man's eccentric, right? Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So if you are, you think of the most genius people in this world, the most successful in history. I want to go in history. So not even – Elon's clearly – like he is one of us. There's no doubt about that. But mm. let's even go to like Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci, um, uh, anyone, right, I'm trying to think of women to balance this out to, anyone of history who's been notably different, notably stood out, I'm going to argue with you that they were one of us, okay, because they were thinking differently because um, you could see, just look, take a look at a picture of Einstein. Yeah, he's one of us, you can tell, right? So, yeah, so, but it all depends on where you are and how you can perceive and what you can get away with as well, right? Um, again, the difference between eccentric and crazy is money. <laughs> is money, right? So we can unmask. So, if, you know, the average person, if they wanted to unmask and kind of like do their own thing, um, again, it comes to the currency in which the neuro beige value. And they value that stuff. So if you had money and prestige and notoriety, your currency in this society goes up and they will put up, put up, in air quotes, with your behaviour a lot more than somebody who doesn't have those currencies but has the same behaviour. Mm, yeah, so if Elon Musk left a party without saying goodbye, no one would see it as no a problem. One. But if a low-status person Correct. did the same, then that would be That's maybe right. considered rude. Yes. 
and people would make small talk about that afterwards, saying, "Oh, correct." He just left but you know what goodbye. they do? you know what they do? They would reframe it with Elon, say, "He's so cool; he can do whatever mm. the hell he likes." Yeah, yeah. Mm. But do you think there's a consequence of of being yourself, leaving a party without saying goodbye? Which is, I'm I'm trying to do more now, but I yeah. also am aware that when I do that, there is a consequence to me. I, I do feel anxious and right. I feel like I've been rude by saying goodbye. It's not an effort for me, even though it, it feels forced and it's not a natural thing for me to, to right. do. But I know yeah. that also I have to do little things to That's right. conform to, to, and to and not intentionally be viewed in a negative way to other people, even if that means not the, entirely being my true self in that moment. True. And by the way, that is, that is a universal rule, no matter what your diversity status is. We all do things in order to participate in society. That doesn't make you, you know what I mean? We all do. Uh, we all follow an invisible set of rules. We all do. That's got nothing to do with, you know, so these are the ones that are added on. So we all know that this is the social standards, you know, and uh, come on, you're English, right? So you have all people know about politeness and all about <laughs> uh, and diplomacy and all that sort of stuff. You, got, you guys are the masters at that, right? I'm Australian. We're a bunch of, you know, our, you know, so it's different. <laughs> different. <laughs> uh, anyway, but however, you will find... You know, the wise ones once, wise people once said, find your tribe and love them hard. You will find that in order to have respite or whatever you want to call it, find your tribe and love them hard. It is exhausting to live in a world where you are surrounded by people who don't understand you and you're constantly having to be on best behaviour. And if that is who you are, then absolutely. It's, it's, let me give it to you in ways that we can understand. It's a balancing scale. You cannot never, ever mask. I don't think you can get away with that, right? Because even neuronormals do stuff that they don't want to do in order to get through life. So that's a, that's a universal one. However, if you're constantly, like if one is outweighing the other, it's way too exhausting. I would highly recommend that the people you hold near and dear, and by the other thing, we have an issue with boundaries as well. We have an issue with personal boundaries, spaces, and understanding who, sh who should and who should not be in our boundaries and how we should act. So I, and I've, this is how I've learned it and how I'm teaching it to my um, children as well. You've got to think of it like uh, a target with a bullseye, right? So circles with bigger circles on the outside and the, you know, all that sort of stuff. This is the image we say. We tend to treat everyone as either in or out. We're either going to bond with you or not. And I, we need to learn that we can't do that. So there are layers. So there is an acquaintance layer, there is a friendly layer, and it goes on and on and on till we get to the intimate layer right here. And these are the people we need to know where they're at. That's number one. Number two is people can move from one layer to another. So people can go, okay, this is no longer working for me. I need to move them from the intimate layer to the friendship layer or the acquaintance layer. And that's totally okay because we're very good at cutting people off black and white style, right? So to recategorize them in our head to say that's where they're at. This is where they're at. And if it means that we can't control ourselves by not being ourselves, then we limit ourselves in other ways, like the time we spend, the amount of things we do together and all that sort of stuff, right? So my suggestion is, is that this is a rule for everybody, by the way. Hang around people who love you and who you love. That's an easy one. And, um, and know that, you know, where your boundaries are know when they're being violated and know how to deal with that, like how to take somebody from one category to another as well. I would call like category one, another way of saying it, my inner circle. Yes, that's so exactly right. People yes. my, and I, I've met 
I'm sure you're like anyone, hundreds of thousands of people in my lifetime, and I've probably got three people in my inner circle that I feel comfortable around. I completely feel at ease around. And I've moved one of them, I won't say any names, from an acquaintance into that inner circle. And that took time. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was because when I first met him, he wasn't being his true self. But over time, he, he, he read that I was perhaps similar. And so over time, he was able to fall into his true self okay. around me. And then suddenly I picked up on that as well. And he fell into my inner circle. Okay. So going on that, that theory that you said that people can move from one category to the other, that's an example that I can think of where right. I think he was probably masking when I met him. So I didn't mm-hmm. feel comfortable enough to say I can feel comfortable around him. But over time, I imagine his mask started to slip and Mm. I picked up on that. We both started to feel really comfortable together. And now he's one of the three people that I would share anything with. And I feel like I can be my true self. You know, I could just be, because my true self is like a lot of the time resting bitch face. And, you know, I can come home when my jaw's aching and my cheeks are hurting because I've been having to sort of fake smile and fake expression all day then it hurts. But around these three people, I don't need to, yeah. and of course we laugh together, but I don't need to fake expression, which, which is what I do yeah. feel like I need to do yep. on a day-to-day basis when I'm just out in the world. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you're, you're never going to get away with not ever having to fake it or that, res- you know, whatever. But I'm, what I'm saying is, the, you know, your time is precious. Your time is absolutely precious. Make sure you spend it with the people who deserve it. And that is a golden rule anyway. So the times where you have to, you know, be courteous and be, you know, polite society and move on and do, you know, because we're networking, we're working, we know we have to deal with everybody. So if that's too much of your time and you're exhausted, then just scale it back, like I said. Make sure that you are spending more time with the people who love and get you. I totally agree. It's, and it's been fascinating to look back. And do you think you've looked back? since you've had yes. the diagnosis and this last, so you've been diagnosed and then you've suspected for two years. Do you yes. look back in your life and yes. see and say, okay, that happened so because much. of this? So much, so much. And it's really, it varies from embarrassing to funny to um, cringing, you know, just there are some parts where I'm just cringing about the stuff that's happened and I wish I had have known um, things would have made a lot more sense. And oh, by the way, that's a very, very normal thing. You know, that's that post process where you start, um, evalu- you know, like looking over your life and then you start to mourn all of that. Oh man, I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, like, because everything's making sense now. Everything is making sense. You have to, and that's a very normal thing to have happen and very normal to have those emotions. And it's incredibly difficult to forgive yourself as well for, things you didn't know when you didn't know. And by the way, diversity's got nothing to do with intelligence either, you know? Like it doesn't mean that we're not it, nothing to do with that. We our brains are wired differently and we have a dopamine, you know, to do with dopamine deficiency and all that sort of stuff. And I will argue that we've always been here. We're the X-Men that walk among you. We've always been here and in society in history without us there wouldn't have been the revolution, you know, the 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 mind revolutions that we've had. When the the proverbial hits the fan. It is you and me who know what to do, who are in the driver's seat and we know what to do, right? Because we can think fast, we can, you know, adapt really quickly and we can see all, everything that's going on. When we're in a, when we're in a process of like industrialised world where everything's, a, you know, 
We struggle. We absolutely struggle. But let me ask you this. When the pandemic happened, did you panic? No, and, and to the fact to the point where people were commenting saying how yeah. how I was able to be so calm and not just Correct. fall in line and be panicked like everyone else. To, right. to the point where it got me into arguments with people. Yes. How so can you you're be not so alone. calm, Alex? You're not alone. Every diverse person I've asked this question to, it was go time for us. It was absolutely go. While everyone was like, what do we do? What do we do? School? Oh my, what do we do? We're like, our break, because you know, all of a sudden we have so much to think about, so much to solve. The dopamine hit was amazing, right? So we were just like this. That's when, so you think, you know, this is when they need us. All of those traits that you just listed, they, they sound like the perfect mix to, of mix of requirements that an entrepreneur would thrive right. with and that would create the mix of a successful Which is why... Exactly. Especially, look, there is a high volume of CEOs who are diverse. That's a fact. There is a higher volume of people in IT industry, even higher. The diversity in my industry is off the charts, right? So, and there's clear patterns and reasons for that. But getting back to being an entrepreneur or CEO or anything like that, I am cons- I'm exactly where I need to be. There, in my job, where everyone would be stressed about and, and handle, you know, being able to handle stress, for me, this is like, a wonderful challenge every day is what my brain needs as well. Because if I, if it was a process conveyor belt, I wouldn't be able to, you know, you, you know that. Like we would be too, there would be no challenge. There's nothing in it for us. We constantly need that challenge. And there's nothing says that than like a founder or a CEO or an, uh, an entrepreneur who wakes up every day and wonders what's going to hit them in the face today because that's, like, that's what it's like, right? And so it is const- like it's a perfect mix of that. So when you have that, um, uh, you, do, you can see that that's where we shine best. And you know the other reason is why is because by that stage, you now have other people to support the other parts of you as well. So, you know, the follow through, the bits that we're not too, we can have assistance to help with that. We can have other project people who are really good with that. So we'll solve the problem and then delegate for somebody else to complete that. That's why, that's why it's a perfect role for us as well. Is, I, I, relate, I create the analogy of sort of trying to leave the shore and trying to get over that first wave. And once you get over that first wave, which is really hard, then you might come into a bit of money and then suddenly you've got the resources to yeah. and the privilege to, as you said, hire an assistant or hire a cleaner. But it's getting over that first wave as yes. an entrepreneur where you are on your own and you don't have any help. And I, and I say financially, but I appreciate mm. that help comes in friends and family, but just keeping it in financial terms. Like there's a lot of people listening who have yes, that right. entrepreneurial streak that's who right. are trying um, and struggling getting over that first wave because they're good at, they're really, really good at some things, but they perhaps lack the, right. the You're ability right. to thrive in other areas. Absolutely right. Because it's a privilege to have the, you know, the support and all that sort of stuff. Even with the friends, it's a privilege to have that too. Not everyone has that mm. as a network as well. So I completely agree with that statement. I, you know, and this is universal, so this is leaving the topic of diversity aside. The one thing that holds us back in life is what's between our ears. So we hold ourselves back and limit ourselves in what we do as well um, and with self-doubt, with shame. 
with all of these things that affects us on how what type of leader we are, what type of person we are. And I don't mean just in business. You're focusing on business. This could be I'm having trouble with my personal life. I'm having trouble with my financial life. I'm having trouble with anything. The one thing that holds us back is how we value ourselves. Again, universal on that point. We just happen to cop a lot more of the shame because the society is tilted to the point where we're the ones who have to conform. As I mentioned before, you know, the pressure is not on them to accommodate for us. It's for us to accommodate for them. Um, so that's when I see people and I and say, you know, they ask, you know, so what should I do to improve my leadership? By the way, leadership, and if you're only measuring it in how much money you've made and what type of a business you've run and you're excluding your leadership within your family and you're excluding leadership within your friends and all that sort of stuff, then that's I question what type of leadership you are really, really meaning there. But the, what I see constantly is that the person themselves is what's holding themselves back and um, in order to move forward with the success. So getting back to what you're saying, it's like how does someone who's, who, who's worked all of that out but doesn't have uh, the, uh, the, uh, the support networks to get through? The answer, look, the truth is you know this. It's really hard. It's really hard, you know, to to get there on your own and to do it on your own. Yes, there are people who do, who can do it. Of course they are. It would be awful to compare yourself to the few handful that have done it and then beat yourself that you can't, right? So that's that doesn't help either. So it's, it, it's not impossible, but I don't think you're abnormal if you're struggling either, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think getting over that first wave, to go back to that analogy, with ADHD when you are very good at some things but perhaps struggle in others is incredibly hard um, mm. and it, unless there's some luck involved and you're working in an industry where you just need the skills that you have in order to perhaps get that first break which enables which gives you access to resources that will fill those voids and help you with the bits that you don't struggle with but the shame's super interesting and yeah. I agree that it's not just professional it is in relationships uh, we know that adhd can present challenges in romantic relationships and financially yep. with impulse spending and all that kind of stuff and but it all comes back to that the shame that can ensue as a result of all of the above right. um, which is why i focus in on that you know what i mean when we're talking about how do we deal with this how do we do the very first thing we should be dealing with is role model. like we need more representation period we need more representation of people who have diversity standing up and saying me too we have a lot of people hiding because they have to, because they they feel that their job's in jeopardy or they feel that they can't step forward. So the fact that you and I are stepping forward and saying that, look, I have a lot of people who will water down autism to call it Asperger's when that's no longer a thing that is now, do you know what I mean? Because as autism creates such a, you think we've got it bad. Autism is such a stigma, you know, absolute stigma. And I definitely... Like I think all, all, as I said to you with the table, with the buffet table, I think all diversity is diversity, right? So there's no anything. We've just got different levels of whatever we have and how we manage that, by the way. So can you imagine the world if we had more successful people standing up saying, yeah, I've got autism too and I've got autism too and I've got... It will take away that sting, for starters, um, because right now there's a lot of people, and it might be a generational thing too, but right now there's a lot of people who are very very afraid to come out and say that or will water it down or even you know what's even worse they'll even say about their child yeah he's a bit as you know aspie you know like talk about minimizing something right talk about 
implementing. Talk about that is secondhand shame, by the way. And the child who's listening to that knows we're very intuitive. We know that this is something we need to hide. This is something we need to minimize. Very early on, we're taught about that. So if we need to move forward with, you know, accepting diversity and understanding diversity, we really, really need to tackle shame. I agree. It helps massively when when people like us and, and many others come forward and, and are open about it. And I'm very careful when I speak about my ADHD that I genuinely think that it has played a huge part in my professional journey. But I'm also aware that the traits of ADHD and the impulsivity have have hindered me in other areas. Yes. Perhaps why I drink too much sometimes, why that relationship didn't work out and other areas. So I'm, I'm very careful that I don't label it as a superpower and I create a balanced narrative around how it's helped me and how it's hindered me. So I suppose my question is, especially mm. that ADHD has had a lot of exposure on social yes. media and with people coming forward, it seems to be a, a new celebrity every week, which I think is good coming forward. But it some is. of them are going a bit too far, I think, and, and coming out, you know, wearing a cape and saying it's their superhero. So what do you think of the the, the superpower uh, narrative around ADHD? I think it can be. I, I think you hit it on the head when you can. You say it can be toxic if that's we're only showing that because if you are not shining, if you are not, if you are paralysed with your ADHD, because we all know you just hit the nail on the head, right? So we all know there are days where showering can be hard, getting out of bed can be hard, talking to somebody can be hard, and uh, by the way you're not alone and we all have all of that stuff right and we all know what that's like and yet here I am look I remember when my GP asked me when I said when I asked for the referral and I said I want to and he says Des do you consider yourself a successful person that was his measuring stick of whether I had ADHD or not you know and so yeah I think the 20 year old me would have answered quite differently to then the way I answered to him on that question there but I think you know as we all come out as we all there's always a sense of celebration pride people are going to represent it in different ways I think the more the better I think we need to because here you and I are talking about the dark side why shouldn't why do we just want to focus on the dark side does that help our cause should we not talk about the positive side too because that's there too I think we should talk about it all, right? I think we should totally talk about it all glamorizing it I'm not for making it a two-dimensional thing I'm not for being authentic about it, I'm totally for. I think that when everyone, when we're starting to redefine and introduce diversity to the world, it's going to take all forms. We definitely need to show, here you and I are talking about the dark side and we're addressing that. And it's totally okay for people to show the good side as well, you know, the positives as well, because we need role models of all sides. I do object to showing it as a two-dimensional or one-dimensional thing, because it's not. And uh, But I understand, I think the more people talking about it, the better. I do object to and one particular narrative taking over. For example, just as you're saying, like, you know, the people wearing capes, come on, you're only imagine if all we were talking about is the negative. That would also be equally bad, right? So it's because it's not. It's a what it's the way we think we think differently. We're Apple computers. <laughs> so <laughs> we think differently. <laughs> You know, um, we think differently, right? And so, of course, we're going to think differently. That's very positive. And, of course, we're going to think differently. That's very negative as well, impacting. Duh. That makes a lot of sense. So the message, 
uh, I don't want anyone to focus in on just one side of that, by the way. I would like a far more authentic and rounded out discussion and representation. Hmm. I totally agree. And I'm, I, I speak about the positives a lot. I've, I've made a, a lot of videos on TikTok and Instagram talking about how I think ADHD has impacted in a positive way my career with the creative thinking and the pattern recognition and the problem solving skills and being able to remain calm in a crisis like you alluded to for the for the pandemic and especially in the workplace i think there's a load of benefits diversity of thought and diversity of mind yes. is i think is is always going to benefit a company and yes how is that something you've experienced in your business well as I alluded to before, my company and my industry is rife with diversity anyway. I don't need to maybe, oh, maybe we should open up to diverse hire. Like, no, we're good. We need to look for the normals, you know, to balance us out. They might be the token in my industry. So it's a little it's a little bit different to ask me, right? Anybody who's in who's developing software the way I am, right? It's a very it's a quite a different thing to ask me. Um, but uh, so, but I also look. I I can speak to what it brings, and it brings awesomeness because you know I have people who will hyper focus on something, and you need that. You need someone to really take on a task and hyper focus like no one's business, and that's brilliant. But I also have people who are just like cannot follow the follow through sometimes, or the you know they will keep it to themselves and not commit. You know all of the bad bits too that you have to manage as well through that. So, but I'm going to broaden that and say it doesn't really matter if the staff that you have has is diverse or not those challenges present themselves no matter what you know that's you know as a good leader you need to understand your staff in order to lead them in the best possible way it it should not matter once you understand how to lead properly it should not matter if they're diverse or not your your objection is to, is to make sure that they are safe enough and are in a place enough to do their work well right that's that's your goal remember people think if we were to de- define leadership people think leadership is telling people what to do you know do this and that is definitely a part of leadership for sure but the bigger part of leadership is caring about the people you're leading and by the way that's not just in work that's in think of any organization politics don't you want your you know they should be caring about the people they're leading in religion they should be caring about the people they're leading in family they should absolutely be caring about the people they're leading right so once you are caring about the people you're leading and ensuring that they're okay to do their jobs that's your job right it then it doesn't matter what what type of person is in front of you because it's your job to understand them, care about them and make sure that they can do their job well. Do you think leadership is also creating a safe space for your employees and your team to yes. be able to open up and to yes. ask for help and for ask for accommodations more importantly? Absolutely, yes. Because again, leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It is about caring about the people you lead. People, look, shame doesn't motivate Anger doesn't motivate. Remember, let's be let's be results driven. You want the best performance out of your staff. None of those things motivate, you know. What motivates people is feeling like loyalty motivates. Loyalty really motivates. In order to reach into people and be and motivate them, you know, with loyalty, you need to connect with them. You need to understand them, right? To win hearts and minds. Yeah. I think as a byproduct of not creating that safe space is you can you can end up having a lot of employees who are perhaps in the office sat at a desk and their neurodiversity whether they know it or not i mean i think we 15 to 20 percent of people have a neurodivergent condition yeah so there's going to be a lot of people in most businesses that have that are neurodivergent 
and if it's not accommodated, then there's going to be a lot of wasted productivity as a result of anxiety. Yes. That person, perhaps sat at a desk, feeling right. anxious, and that anxiety is causing them almost paralysis of thought because they can't think in a way that's going to enable them to do the job that they're capable of doing. They're just not capable of doing it in that environment because for whatever reason, it's too noisy or I, it's too bright or it's too, there's right. too much going on. So, right. and I know that there's a lot of people listening who are in that situation and they are questioning whether or not that they should ask for help or disclose their condition to their employer because, and there's a number of reasons why somebody wouldn't want to disclose yeah. because of the stigma, like you said earlier, um, mm and because of perhaps discrimination if they say that they have ADHD or autism or yeah. another neurodivergent condition. So my question right. is, to those people listening, as a leader yourself, what advice would you give to somebody in that position? Look, I'm not going to give you fair answers. I think financial security is paramount. You know, it is the bottom of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So I'm, I would never ask anybody to put themselves in a position where they would be financially compromised and lose their job, period. And the second rule is when in doubt, there is no doubt. So if you're afraid that your uh, disclosure will discriminate against you, chances are that it, it will, right? Because if an environment, if you were going to feel, remember, we're very perceptive souls. Souls, we are. We're very perceptive souls. We already know the gauging of what would happen. That's why we know it. You know, we don't know. No one has to tell us when to put the mask up. It's so automatic. We know. So if you're feeling like, should I just come out and say this? And your gut is saying, your intuition is telling you, that's because that environment has never made it safe for you. If they were proactive and saying, we're going to be proactive about this, they should make the first step in allowing for that. So it, I'm not sure if I would encourage people to put themselves in a, fight, a risk where they would financially lose, you know, and, uh, and and listen, not every industry is the same too. As I mentioned to you uh, off air, I had some people message me after hearing what I had to say another time to, and saying they could never come out because in their industry, what they do, it's a death knock. There's just no way in hell. Reminds me of like being gay, right? So being, you know, coming out like that. It's the same thing. How can you possibly tell people it's up to them on what they want to do with that and they're the ones best to manage that or, uh, you know, whether they want to come out or not or whatever they feel safe in that environment, in that industry and all that sort of stuff. It's very, very similar to that. And I'm telling you, there are some people out there who just won't. They'll take that stuff to their grave because their career that they have built has meant a lot to them. For me in IT, in a lineup, it is pick the normal, really, right? So it's quite easy for me. Right. But not every industry can afford to say that, you know, so how can I possibly give advice out that would work in every industry? I think you need to trust what you do best for you. Um, and I, you know, the one thing that you and I can do, Alex, is to push the needle forward is that talk about it, make it more accessible to everybody as possible, make it more normalized, make everything more normalized. So it's bigger, wider discussion rather than leaving it on to the people who are afraid, who are paralyzed with fear to, to for them to move the needle it should be us it really should be us mm, no i agree totally it's, it's for people like you and me and i think you did give really good advice then it was that there are a lot of people who might go on tiktok or instagram and almost get a bit of toxic positivity because there's a huge movement around openly disclosing it now and saying oh you have to disclose at work your boss is legally obliged to make accommodations if they don't then you can sue them and all this kind of, but in reality it's not 
as straightforward as that. In reality, no. there's a lot of anxiety attached, shame. And as you said, the key thing is to trust your intuition. You're, you know if your workplace is safe. Right. And you probably already know based on your intuition and your ability to see and read the room, how they're going to react if you say that you have yes. a neurodivergent condition and you require accommodations in order to work in a better way. Um, and that really is the fundamentals of, of the advice that you just gave. And I think that is so important. Trust yeah. your intuition. Like, Absolutely. Because otherwise you're going to put yourself in a very vulnerable position. Yes, and I don't want that. I don't want that. And so the people, you know, it's, it is up to us. The obligation is up to us to move the needle, not onto the people who are already compromised, who are already victimised and, do you know what I mean, or already vulnerable. You and I, right, so no, I'm not going to be able to lose my job. I am the founder of my job. I can't lose my job. I'm happy to stand up for everybody else who can't. That's, that's, that's the obligation that I've taken on. That's why, by the way, I come on here and talk about this because this doesn't, you know, this does nothing for my career, by the way. Right. But what it does, and I don't care about that. What it does do is it takes, it moves the needle for my children. Do you understand? Like I'm here for them and anybody else, but for them. Because damned if I'm going to be in a world, not on my watch, am I going to be in a world where I'm going to add to the shame and the toxicity of this? I will stand up and say, yep, yep, I'm, I'm diverse. Absolutely I am. Because I'm not allowing it on my watch. So I can afford to do it, is what I'm saying. You can afford to do it. We can afford to do it because yeah. we are in that privileged position where we've got over that first wave that we were talking Correct. about earlier. And if someone says, oh, we don't believe that your ADHD is real or we think you're a liability now, it doesn't affect us because no. we're over that first wave. But hearing people like yourself talk about this will make someone else feel seen, so make, will validate someone Correct. else's experience and it perhaps give them the confidence to... to speak out or if even yes. a, a business owner they could listen to this and yeah. that could be what it takes for them to recognize that they need to make it clear that their arms are open to hearing about neurodiversity and that might make them bring in a neurodivergent speaker or that and, might make and, them send exactly. out an email saying we understand and, neurodiversity and correct anyone who needs an accommodation you can reply in a confidential way and we will have a chat about it Correct. And also my motivations are not to gain popularity on a social media platform and become an influence on this topic as well. And that speaks to what you said about a lot of people jumping on that bandwagon to ride that wave and create that toxic positivity that's going on all of a sudden. You know, you know that and all of a sudden every trait possible is now an ADHD symptom. You know, those ones I've seen them too, right? Like it's just it's getting out of hand. So I'm not that. I have no interest in ga gathering a following on this topic at all it's not my core industry it's nothing there I've got nothing to gain out of being here and talking about this except what I've said except I'm standing in I truly truly believe the uh, it is up to me with nothing you know with I'm not making money out of this so you know there's nothing except for me to stand up and say yeah yeah I'm diverse as well yep yep and we need more of these stories we need more people to stand up and say it if there are other leaders listening um, and I know there will be many who yeah. understand and recognize what neurodiversity is and they know that they've probably got neurodiversity within their business but they just don't know where to start. What advice would you give to other leaders who want to make steps to show that their employees, that their arms are right. open to learning? Right, first of all, I'd appeal to their greed, right? The more you cater, the more you cater for diversity, the more stronger your team is going to be and the more productivity you're going to get, bottom line. 
That's the bottom line, to be honest, because you you talked about, you know, the anxiety of coming into a workplace where there's overwhelming, you know, environment, all that sort of stuff. And if your person works much better and I have staff who work infinitely better from home, there is no way on hell I'm going to have them come into an environment where they are compromised and they're giving me 50 percent now. No way. Why would I do that? So, again, I'm going to uh, appeal to greed, right? (laughs) <laughs> we're talking about money, right? We're talk- I'm going to appeal to greed. You want the best out of your workers? Do you want the best productivity out of your workers? I'm telling you, cater to their needs. You'll get more. It goes back to what I said. Loyalty breeds productivity. Simple as that. Once you've understood that, so how do you go about doing that? And it really, uh, every industry is different. I can talk about mine, of course, where I do, you know, like remote staff is a thing. Uh, if you don't want, for example, if you don't want to appear on camera, in any meeting, not a requirement in my company at all. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how you dress every day. None of that matters to me. Performance matters, right? It does take away a lot of the anxiety-inducing things for a diverse person, right? So because I, I, I weigh, I don't care. I don't care, especially if you're a, if you're, if you're in tech. You know, who cares what you? Nobody. I, what what matters to me is your output. What matters to me are you happy? What matters? All of that matters to me. So in my industry, I can talk about that. I cannot talk to other industries and what they're like. I'm not in that. I can't advise on that. But I also know one thing, that if you allow people, and you, first of all, if you are a leader and you have people under you, guarantee you they've got people, you, they're diverse, you just don't know about it, right? Secondly, if you want to increase productivity or you're wondering, like, why do I have to, why is this person being so difficult? It may be that they are masking. It may be that they're struggling with something. And rather than just turfing them, improving the conditions in which they're working, and it could be really small things, by the way, could increase the productivity and the corporate culture as well. Because, you know, what we touched on before, diversity, like the fact that different brain, everyone thinking differently is going to further you well, that's a, that's a very proven thing by the way that the more more ideas in the room the better the stronger you'll be judge people on their outcomes not their process yeah. you know the way they to blanket it and just say look is there anything that you could do if you had a, you know is there anything that you could do that would help you in, pro- in increasing your productive ask your staff ask because if if you heard that come on if you heard that and you knew that you didn't want to come in or you wanted to you'd say it you'd say i would be more productive if i did xyz ask your staff what would help them? You don't even have to mention neurodiversity, perhaps. Exactly you right. Just give someone the option to ask for help without right. Just say them what into a exactly condition. right. It's kind of like talking about the condition without. It's just like what would help increase productivity for you. Also, I think it's really important. I saw a statistic that eighty percent of neurodivergent employees, if there's not accommodations put into place, leave a job yeah. after within the first six months. So right, if you appealing to that greed and that bottom line the cost of rehiring someone exactly right because of that just that sieve effect of your staff not being happy sitting there not knowing what to do not knowing how to ask for help and leaving not being fired leaving by their own will and then the cost of rehiring to the business so again it goes back to that yeah so I, that's why I appeal to the greed because if I say oh make it make the world a better no one cares Alex no one it's not going to hit and resonate as much as uh, you're running a business. You want to be as profitable as you can be. The way to do that is to motivate your staff. How do you motivate your staff? You make sure that they are looked after, period. Ask them what you can do to help them do their job better. Totally agree. I'm trying to think if there's anything else before we wrap up. 
Do you think there's anything else to, anything else you wanted to talk about? Look, I always like to end by telling people who are out there because a lot of people who are listening to this, they're collecting stories and they're collecting your story and my story and everybody else's story. And the reason why we do that is because we're trying to normalize. We're trying to understand where we sit in the world. You know, are we okay? Are we normal? How much do I have to do? And the only thing I want to tell you is that you are perfect the way you are, right? So you... Everything about you is exactly the way it should be. The world needs all of us. What we all bring, we are needed. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're very, very good at one thing, fantastic, bring that to the table. If you're not good at another, there's other people who can fill that in for you. The value of every human is just as equal as everybody else's. It doesn't matter. So don't. that's the message I want to leave on is that you're not less at all. You think differently but you're not less. And if you're the type of person who leaves a party without saying goodbye, you might just be because you think differently as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, like I said, find your tribe, love them hard, leave without saying goodbye. Love that. Des, thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to hear more? Certainly, I'm on LinkedIn if you want to follow me professionally there under Des Rock, D-E-Z-R-O-C-K. I feel like I have to spell the last one too because I get caught up on that one. But um just on 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 the oh I love saying this on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter because I'm a Prince fan so that's a connection there and um, my handle is Destraction D E Z Traction, which is a dead giveaway by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, and you could tap the wall behind you three times and go into Diagon Alley after this. That's uh, that's where I'm heading next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lovely, Des. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. 